All right, I'm back. Is this on? So, Heathen Dog, you ready for this? I am. Ready for all the excitement? Booyah. <laughs> I guess booyah is acceptable as an answer. All right, um, let's do this. Uh, three, two. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Legion of Myth live stream for this week, the 1st of April, 2017. Yes, I'm dating it, don't care. Episode 105. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. How are you doing this fine evening, Heathen Dog? I am doing well. Thank you for asking, and thank you to all of our viewers out there. Yes, Love indeed. You. Yes. We have a great show. It's going to be awesome. Garfunkel's going to tell you all about it. What? What? What do, see, I don't know. That's a lot of... I'll write up front. Like, you know, I'm going to tell you about the whole show. There's a lot of show. You can do it, man. I I think that's kind of out of out of cycle, too. Don't we talk about other stuff first? Do we, do we do the little mix-em-ups? Talk about what's going on in current events? Do a little RNG? Then go back to something else? Do a little RNG? All right, I got a little RNG for you. Um, Star Trek Online and, and Google, they're, they're, they're two... Uh, 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 April Fool's Day pranks. Uh, first one, Star Trek Online. Uh, today they came out with uh, artisanal, uh, seasonal sounds. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And what that is, it's just a whole bunch of uh, random noises put in every five seconds. That's Beep. actually kind of funny. Burger, burger. Bah, stuff like that. And of course you can turn it off if you want to. I would hope so. That would get really aggravating if you could. Yes. And then Google uh, apparently is coming out with, with a new a new item called Google Gnome. It's for all your outside your home needs, like yard needs. Like Google Gnome, you have to be outside to use it, mind you. Google Gnome, what's Makes the temperature? I'll tell you the temperature. Well, Google yes. Gnome, how is the wind blowing? Well, Amazon did one like that. It yeah. was uh, basically Alexa for pets. There you go. Yep. You know, you squeak at it, it squeak back at you. Right. <laughs> 
And Google Gnome looks exactly like Google Home, except it has a big red cone hat on it. Well, as one yeah. would, of course. Yeah, sure. That's that makes sense to me. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. Very nice. Uh, well, uh, coming up in this episode of the live stream, uh, we're going to have Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma with Shadow Run Excitement based on first edition rules. Thank you very much. Uh, going over some good stuff there. After that, we have Garthon's Comic Pull, where I'll go over three big books that dropped this week. And then, in the RNG, we're going to talk about some random things going on, including the official Legion of Myth review of the Ghost in the Shell film, kids. Hope you enjoy that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but as always, the opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasional use of foul or offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. That was professional. It was. It was good. And I, I want everyone to hearken back to this moment when Garthon talks about Ghost in the Shell. That's probably a good reminder. Um, so, as always, you can check out our website at legionofmyth.tv or .com, our YouTube channel at Legion of Myth. We have lots of stuff going on there. Hundreds of hours of videos, let's plays, tutorials, uh, all sorts of stuff going on there. Uh, check us out on Twitch TV slash Legion of Myth. We do have a weekly schedule up on the website. We are streaming every single day of the week just for you guys. Uh, Facebook.com slash Legion of Myth and a messenger. You can message us. Go ahead. Twitter at Legion of Myth. And all that other good stuff there. Um, there might be some upcoming changes with uh, both the format of the live stream. Uh, we're going to try little special things coming up. Don't want to tease it too much. Um, and also some changes to our schedule for streaming as well. Adding stuff, not taking away kids. It's pretty exciting, I think. Right. I mean, it was, yeah. And we might even have little special extras coming for our Patreon subscribers. That's all in the works, because at Legion of Myth, we are continually in a process of improvement. We are synergizing resources to maximize potential outcomes. Boom. Yes. If I weren't wearing a headset, I'd drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So with that, let us go on to something much more exciting. Heathen Dog Shadowrun Extravaganza of Excitement based on first and second edition rules. Thank you very much, Garthon. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this, is a, this is a special edition, really, of the, of the uh, uh, Shadowrun uh, talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about the archetypes that no one plays, the bad ones. These are Deckers. And riggers. I don't think they're listed in the book as the bad ones. They're not. They're not. They're listed by me as the bad ones. And they're, and they're listed by every GM and every player. Well, almost. 99% of the GMs and players that, that I have come in contact with. The sensible GMs and players. The sensible ones, exactly. I have said that, no, do not play a rigger. Do not play a decker. And it's, it's weird because deckers are absolutely necessary. You need them. You need them for information. You need them for a lot of stuff. But they're universally hated by GMs and players. And riggers, everyone loves the idea of a perfect getaway. You know, a run goes sideways. You get out the door. And there, there right in front of you is the friggin' Batmobile loaded up with, uh, with, with heavy machine guns on, on 360 turrets to guarantee your successful escape. Great. 
Yeah, but honestly, with both these classes, you almost need uh, adventures or campaigns built around them. Yes, I mean, and that, that's what the GMs hate. I mean, for a Decker thing, you're basically, you know, a Matrix-style campaign where you're constantly going into the into the webs and figuring out the secret evil corporation or whatever. And with the Riggers, you're basically playing Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's it sounds like fun. It does, it does. sound like fun, but everyone what has to be doing it. You can't have one person playing exactly. Fast and Furious. It's not. Let's take a let's take a a longer look at Deckers. All let's right? do that. They seem great. They actually have virtual reality that works, and there is no better way to get information, sell your stolen goods, communicate with fixers to get clients, and infiltrate secure areas. Now, uh, a, a Decker uh, talking to a fixer, which is like a middleman in the, in the shadow world where uh, the, the client who needs some shady stuff done contacts a fixer. The fixer uh, puts out the word, and then you, you, catch, you catch that, and you talk to the fixer, you make a deal. Great, and and the and uh, the, the matrix is a perfect way to do that because because you can really an- uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me anonymize yourself very easily. It's great, and se- selling stolen goods if you don't want to go through a fixer, you can do it yourself. You can you can go the the matrix equivalent of the dark web. You can put it out there, and you really need a a, a decker to to secure your identity in that and that at that moment right if you don't have a decker on your team the other side will and it will go badly for you yeah yeah and yeah you're it's awful and uh infiltrating secure areas well uh you don't know what the inside of the building looked like okay well uh the 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 decker hacks into their their cctvs uh gets gets all the blueprints all the schematics where all the security is where the cameras are what uh, what kind of locks they have maybe even the freaking combinations deckers can do all of that and it sounds great sounds great until you get to the bad part. And what is that bad part? Do you like that? That was good. That was that good. Was good. <laughs> if you're a if you're a good decker, that's all you are. That's it. Can you fight? No. Not at all, man. You keep, no. no. Hand-to-hand trains for suckers. Yeah. No, no, it's not not just that. It's just that you spent all your money and all your time in in, in a basement get, getting the greatest rig you you you, you can afford. You've had no time for anything else, so you well, can't fight. Well, also background-wise, while the other ki- while you know the street stand with your team as a kid was learning how to get into street fights or taking martial arts classes, you were staying at home watching TV and learning how to and hack computers. Yeah, yeah. And so you know you do not have the ability to put up you know, go into a fight. And talking about that, can you shoot? Eh, you probably took a couple classes. You know, uh, went, went out went out to the country maybe and, and shot some cans. Played a lot of first-person shooters. Yeah, yeah, he, he he might even think that's relevant. Uh, can you be a lookout? No, you can't be a lookout because your brain is in a computer most of the time. You have to have someone look out for you. Can you even be in Meat Shield? No. Deckers, may, like I said, they're 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 frail. They won't even stop a bullet for you. They, they might slow it down. No, I'd bit. let them act as a point of armor once. Yeah, yeah. Once. There you go. So in, in every other aspect of the game, they're horrible to play. Just, just bad. Now, the reason players don't like them is because uh, whether you are a Decker or not, when the Decker goes into the Matrix, the adventure stops. A new adventure starts that could last for hours. Everyone who's not a Decker is out of the game. Well, or you could put that in Mash the Gathering terms. Years ago, there was a card in Magic the Gathering called Scheherazade, 
And what Scheherazade did was you would stop the current game you're in, take all your cards that were currently in your library, and go play another game with just those cards. And whoever won that game, well, whoever lost the second game, would lose half their health in the first game. And yes, you could play Scheherazade again in the second game. Yeah, yeah. It sounds awful. It is awful. It actually sounds kind of neat, like, oh, wow, I'll do that. Then once you actually play it, like, oh, God. Oh, God, this is going to go forever. Yes, yes, it is, and it's bad. Now, uh, Game Masters hate it because, you know, they unless they bought their adventure that is for Deckers, they had to make a whole different adventure just for one guy. Yep. Be, because uh, you have to you have to flesh out the Matrix, you know, that, that or else it's not worth it. You know, there's no point. Do you want to know what the actually the best solution I ever saw to that was? I only saw it done once. Well, I saw it done a few times, but only one campaign did they do it. What's that? There was another player who was like the secondary dungeon master for most of our games we were playing, GM. And so when the decker would start decking, the other guy who was, oddly enough, playing a rigger would go and he he would uh, he would get the briefing beforehand from the main game master and he would actually run the decker separately while everyone else did something else. Okay, you know that, that that sounds great, but there's a problem that one or both could finish before the other one does, and then then you get into a, a logistic problem. But yeah, no, that, that that's not an elegant solution, but it is one. No, it actually worked really well because it, it would be in a situation like we'd be in a firefight, like okay, hack that, hack that terminal, and the rigger would go and run the the hacking simulation with him while we're actually in other combat. If we finish our combat first, we might have to wait a little bit for the other guy to be through, but at least we know he's safe. If he finishes first, great. We could bail out of the combat and get through the door. Okay. It actually worked out really well. Yeah, stuff like that, it sounds good. But for for the most part, universally hated. Yeah, Uh, I mean, that was like a one game I was ever in situation, and you had to like take away two players to do it, and it was kind of clunky just because he's not playing the same game as everyone else. He's playing his own game. And right. the rigger's hoping right. that we need a quick getaway at the at the tail end of this so he could do something. Hoping beyond hope that there's a firefight at the end. Right. It's like, wow, I hope yeah. we screw up so they chase us at the end. Right. And speaking of riggers, you know, you think the rigger sounds exciting. You know, Fast and Furious all day long. They are exciting. They are. They, I mean, they, uh, the, 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 the stunts and tricks they, they can do when they're jacked into a vehicle, they're, they control the vehicle with their nervous system. It's it's pinpoint response, accuracy out the wazoo. The, uh, you know you know the uh, the whole uh, get, getting up on two wheels in the side of your car thing. Yeah. Driving down like you've seen that before. A, a, a rigger can can do that while texting someone and and watching a movie. I mean he, it's it's nothing. It's nothing. It, there's no one else you want in the car waiting for you if a run goes bad. I told you about earlier. If if you're coming out hot. And you got a rigger out there. If you can get to the car, you'll probably get away. Just get to the car, and you can breathe. If you get away clean, the rigger's like, so you guys want to stop for like a, a burger or something? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but he's still getting paid, so whatever. Yeah. But and and on top of that, they have armed drones. They they, they can actually hook hook themselves up to a, a drone control rig, and see through the eyes of a drone. And yeah, drone that sounds awesome. Guns. Yeah, it's great for outside stuff. Inside stuff, not so much. And then they have stealth drones. Drones that you need, you need someone followed? You need to find out where this guy's going? Ask a rigger. Oh, yeah, I, I got I got uh, Sh- Shadow Betsy right here. She'll just follow him and completely uh, soundless and can't can't see her at night at all. And 
You know, she has she has almost zero heat heat emission. It's great. It's great. Sounds great. And now I'm going to ruin it for you. Nobody right, ever wants ahead. to play them. Well, ever. Can a rigger fight? A little. Then get shot and die. But yes, he can fight. He can. He's he's yeah, not going to be yeah. anywhere anywhere near as good as a street samurai. Uh, mercenary is going to be better than him. Uh, he does. Yeah, he doesn't have the money for good gear because because the vehicle control rigs, the vehicles they had to trick out. Ugh, so much so expensive. Uh, can a rigger shoot? Sure. See see Decker above. That's about that's about it. Had a couple classes. Uh, can he be a lookout? Sure, as long as he's outside, because he has to stay in the car. The car has a camera in it, so he's good. Exactly. See, uh, he can't go into the run with you because then no one's watching the car. You could come outside, the the car be on fire, and you're surrounded. Uh, but the, if the if the rigger is outside in the car, he can fight off a small army in that car to make sure that when you get out, he's there for you. And can a Decker? I put Decker in here. I meant to change it to Rigger. Huh. Can, can a Rigger be a meat shield? You don't want that, because then who's going to drive the car? Because it's kind of set, so he has to drive it. Yes, yes. He can't be in any danger, because then you are you're you're killing your the idea of a getaway. Yeah. So he has to stay in the car. So no player likes to be a Rigger because they have to stay in the car. And if they don't, then everyone is is uh, putting their getaway in dire jeopardy. Which is some sad, because they want yeah. that getaway. Yeah, some people do it anyway, but I I wouldn't. Like, I want to come, guys, I want to come. No, you stay in the car. It's it's like the beginning of, of every rookie cop movie, except, <laughs> except he never graduates to the end to be an actual cop, because he always has to stay in the car. That's it. Oh, that's so sad. Okay, now, is there any reason whatsoever, any, to play either of these archetypes. No. Oh. No. You want more answer? Fine. You're, you're a rigger. No one wants to wait in the car. That's true. No one wants to wait in the car. So no one's going to like playing a rigger. Everyone's going to love a rigger on their team. But no one wants to be that guy. And a decker, no game master wants to make two adventures for the fun of one. Well, also with the rigor, couldn't you just replace that with an AI? I really. No, no, no. I have, I have, a, I have a, what what always happens in in my campaigns to come after this, but uh, uh, for for a, for a game master to really utilize a decker and make the make the game fun for him, you have to take away fun from everybody else. You just, yes. You have to. That's true. I mean, there's always like, oh, but he uh, they they have sensory uh, piggyback things where you go in. Great, yeah, you can go in with him too. That and and watch him do stuff. You can't do anything. You're just watching a movie basically. And who's watching your meat suits during all this? You ever see that episode? Least... You ever watch the episode The Tick where they go into the sewers with sewer urchin? You ever see that? I don't recall it. Well, I, I sure, I sure I have, but I don't well, know. no, there, I mean, there's the tick with the cartoon series. There's a character called Sewer Urchin, who basically the other people on the cartoon basically made fun of because he was pretty useless. But there's actually one episode where they have to go into the sewers, and in there he is a king, and everyone's afraid of him. It's like, oh my god, a sewer urchin! Look out! You know, he's fighting off giant crocodiles, bear. You know, the guy's just ruling, and everyone else is like flailing around, useless in there. And everyone yep. all of a sudden you know, has some respect for him. And that's what it's like to be a decker. Sure, you can go with him. It's going to be like being a sewer urchin. You know, you yep. were he was useless up top. Now down here, he's king. So look how mighty he is while you just kind of flail around pathetically. No exactly. one wants that. 
Yeah. And no, no one wants to, to take up to hours long breaks in the middle of a game. I mean, yes. especially, you know, when, especially if you're really enjoying the game and then suddenly, okay, Jimmy, Jimmy's gotta, gotta do his decking thing. I'll be back in an hour. Oh. Yeah, everyone go get lunch. Someone bring us some fries back. All right, Jimmy, you and me. Yep. Now, there is a real easy, easy fix for all of this. At the beginning of the game, during character creation, you you get one one of the players buys a rigor, uh, not not but follower. It costs like 25 grand, something like that. And one another guy buys a Decker follower. Now, a follower... It's a guy who will lay down his life for you. He will he will lay in front of traffic to save you. And you do, when you need rigor stuff done, you call you call your follower, and he'll do your rigor stuff. You need Decker stuff done, you call your Decker. He'll come with you on the run. Just just make sure to give him a cut because you you, you can lose followers if you smack him around too much. Yeah yeah yeah. But uh, um, when when he does his, his Decker thing, you hold his body and you. You don't have to know all that stuff. The game master can just make a couple of simple rolls to see if he's if he succeeded or failed. He doesn't have to make a whole new world. Game masters love it. Yep. And also, the game master also could take the easy way out, and if it's more expeditious, just say, "Oh, and he gets through it." Or, or if it's part of the plot, he tries to, but he actually activates the security system, and no, oh, the guards show up. You know, whatever you want the plot to happen. Right. Right. Yeah, you, you don't you don't have to you don't have to make it uh, uh, you don't have to push a player into that or trick a player into the, in the situation you want to get in. It just happened that way, and no one else can see it. So yep. you, you didn't have to you didn't have to render it basically, and that's yeah, great. Yes, well, some people saying, "Well, I don't want to spend twenty five grand on these guys." Well, then you are you want to lose because if you don't have a Decker, you lost. And it's no as we've established, it's pretty much no fun to play one. 90% of the time, if not yes. more. If not more, yes, exactly. It's, 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 it's no fun to play any either of these archetypes. Now, this is just in the beginning. You know, as, as, you, as you progress, as you, as you gain experience and knowledge, you can branch out in, into, into different areas. As you, as you get more money, you can get better gear. You, you can get uh, some, some cyberware, you know, to, to make yourself useful outside like a, a, a Decker. You know, he has to get a, a data jack. And maybe some headwear memory, but that's it. But his 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 rig and that costs so much money that he's he's out of money. But later on, he's he's making money, getting experience. He can get skills that that pertain to combat. He can get cyberware and gear that pertain to combat. So after a while, you can do all the stuff that other that other guys can do. Yeah, and but your decker stuff. Most but, players aren't going to do that. They say, "Oh, I need to improve my deck, and I need to improve exactly, this." Exactly. Exactly. You're no longer a top of the line decker. You're you're an okay decker in the group. Yep. Because because you are not advancing all of your decker skills and gear. So that's the rub. Sure, you 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 can be a decker or rigger god. But you're going to be alienated from the rest of the game. You can be um, a so-so Decker and Rigger and be able to play the rest of the game as well. But everyone else is going to look at you, going, "Man, why aren't you getting better at driving? Or, man, why aren't you getting better at hacking? What? Well, that's why. That's why you're here, man." Yeah, effectively, you're multiclassing to be useful to the group, which no, no, is no, kind no, of sad. No, no. You're multiclassing to be useful to you. Because if you want to be useful to the group, the group needs you as a decker, or the group oh, needs right. you as a rigger. So you're you're multiclassing, so you can do other stuff, so you can have the fun that they're having. You made the mistake of being a rigger, decker. I have no, I have no love for you. I have I have no understanding of your plight. You did this to yourself. 
you shot yourself in the foot at the beginning of the game and probably many people told you it was a bad idea, but you just pushed through because you thought you could make it work. Or you're new and don't have any idea. Well, if you're new, someone else should have told you, hey, man, you don't want you don't want that, man. That's that's like radioactive. Just set it down. Uh, if, well, if, the thing is, if you have a new group going into it, none of them know. It's like, oh, man, Decker, that sounds cool. Everyone's like, yeah, make a Decker. And then by the second venture in, they're like, wow, that was a really bad idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in the line of fire so I can make a new character. Yeah. Oh, oh, the ice fried my brain on that last adventure. Yep. Or... Yep. Suicide my program. Or what you should do about the second adventure is say, okay, this is my new character. Um, I was brought in because my former character is actually my hireling, and uh, so that way your former character is still connected to the group. But he's your $25,000 follower. There you go. There you go. You can do that too. You know, c- Creative ways to make the game fun. Uncreative ways to make the game fun is do not play a rigger and do not play a decker. That's pretty right. easy. Yes. Or you could make two separate teams, make a team of deckers and a regular team to actually do stuff. And then, like, when it's time, like, oh, my gosh, okay, we've finally cracked into the security servers. All right, fire up the remote connection. Let's let the deckers take it. And then you all play your decker team. Different characters. That's all they do. Yes, yes. All the players playing the same game, but as two different people at two different times. Love it. Love it. It could work. It could work. Oh, actually, I'm I'm seeing a vision. Like, the the decker team is actually, like, a group of, like, high schoolers that they saved earlier, and that's how they're helping them back or something. They're teenagers with attitude. Oh, gotcha, that, that gotcha. Work. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, ways around the world. I like that. I like that a lot. And and for oh, uh, instead of a rigger, I would just have Kit from Knight Rider. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Except with guns. That would be awesome. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I know. want the turbo boost, too. That's cool. Yeah, hell yeah, turbo boost. Hell yeah. You have everything in that thing. And then, anyway, and then it can that, say cool that. stuff like, please hurry and get in the car. I believe they are scratching my paint. You know, something like that. <laughs> Talk through the watch. It'd be cool. Those are, those are all the ways around playing a rigger and a decker. Take them to heart. Remember, when you're, when you're starting a character again in Shadowrun, let everyone know. The person who says, ah, I think I play a decker, or I think I play a rigger, set, set them down and say, listen, man, I got something for you to watch. I want you to watch this, and then I want you to choose again, only this time correctly. And just remember, if you're playing a Decker, what you're essentially saying is, I want I want the DM to make two campaigns and for everyone to be bored. And if you're playing a Rigger, you're saying, I want to make a character that can easily be replaced by a computer. And and then, you know, during the time, be bored. Yes. That's it. That's it. There you go. I want more. Well, you'll have more uh, the week after next. I'm going to come out with a, with two more archetypes. Boom! I'm pretty what? excited about that. Thank you very much, yeah, Heathen Dog. That are useful. <laughs> you are welcome. Uh, we always appreciate your shattering extravaganza of excitement. Uh, as always, you can check out Heathen Dog's other extravaganzas of excitement every week on uh, here, the Legion Myth live stream. You can also check out his weekly live streams where he is streaming. Star Trek Online. Want to give us a little blurb about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Admiral Buck Fats McCool. Admiral. That's right. He's, an admiral. he's almost he's almost at max level. I, I, I took him first level. I'm going to take him to 60. He's at 56 right now. Uh, he He's blazing his way across the galaxy. 
lighting fires wherever he can. Burning bridges. Burning bridges everywhere. Federation comes first. Romulan Empire. Hell with them. Klingon Empire. Losers. Kirk never trusted him. Yeah, Kirk never trusted him. Why should I? So he, yeah, he has a very different view of the universe than most Starfleet captains. But his works, his his uh his uh his, his the way to solve a problem is to shoot it in the face, hard, and the problem goes away. It's elegant. His results are beyond reproach. Exactly. Elegant response to almost any situation. And it's a lot of fun. After all, diplomacy is a phaser and a smirk. Yep. Yeah. Mondays and Thursdays. All right. 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern. That's right. So tune into that. Or you can always check out uh, when he posts it up. Uh, you can check it out on Twitch. You can check it out live. Or you can check it out later. Uh, do you post it on YouTube later? I do. I post yeah, YouTube right. uh, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 Central. Uh, the same day I, I stream it. Very cool. Thank you very much, Heathen Dog. So let us move on to our next segment. That wonderful segment where we talk about things that are unrelated to what we just... Well, I guess you could say it's related. But ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready for it. It is... Yes, Garthon's comic poll. Garthon's talking about three books this week. First comic that happened this... Well, a lot of comics happened this week. But the first one I'm talking about is... Justice League of America, number three. Ah, Lobo is beating the crap out of someone because he's Lobo. That's what he does. You know, after Rebirth, they, much did you know that during Rebirth, they actually came out with a new Lobo? He was, like, thin, and he looked like he was the front man for a metal band, sort of. It just long hair. It looked really bad, and everyone hated him. And he was like, no, I'm the real Lobo. The other guy was a pretending to be me and as soon as that happened everyone just completely turned on the character instantly like whoa 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 you're not as cool as the original Lobo and then you're telling me the original Lobo was the fake and you're the real one you're the best one alright we hate you and you're only halfway through your first issue sorry dude and so uh that was for the new 52 (laughs) wow how I can't believe there was a bad decision made during the new 52 um Superman so <laughs> that's how we ended up with our good old fashioned Lobo back after Rebirth, and the other punk Lobo I think died, which is good. Good, good for him. Yes, good for him. But this wonderful piece of work is a comic book by DC Comics. Uh, art by Joe Predator and Ivan Rice. Uh, it is written by Steve Orlando. All right, this is The Extremists Part Three. They strange our group of supers who came from another dimension whose dimension was destroyed. Uh, the extremists were actually a group of supervillains who, at the very end of their universe collapsing, tried to team up with the heroes there to save the universe. It didn't work. Uh, so when the extremists fled their dying universe, just as it was going pop, they came to ours, and they said, hey, the thing that destroyed our universe is coming here. And we've decided that a team with the superheroes doesn't work. So what we're going to do is put you all under our control and make you do what we want, and that'll help us beat them. Honestly, yep. not bad thinking, really. Well, now you hang on a minute. Obviously, these these bad guys have they didn't have comics in their world because it it doesn't matter the intention of a bad guy; they always lose. That is true, yeah. but they're kind of seeing themselves kind of 
more like heroes, more anti-hero, more yeah. protagonist. There you go. That's what they're seeing themselves as. But uh, they, they do Doc, what they have Dr. to do. Doom Syndrome. Sort of, yes. They do what they have to do. Actually, very much Dr. Doom Syndrome for a couple of them. They just do what they have to do to save the world. And if you're not smart enough to get on board, that's on you. But, uh... So, the, this book actually has taken an interesting bent in that they've had to start doing, dealing with some politics. Uh, after the extremists took over a country, and the country said, Yay, we're glad you took us over. We've been at war for years, and you finally stopped that. The Justice League had to go, wait, but no, we're trying to beat these guys. Like, they're a sovereign government now. You can't stop them. But in this issue, the Justice League has kind of teamed up with the insurgents of that country who are trying to bring their old government back and kick out the superpowered extremists. Oh, my God. So everyone everyone get, gets a role reversal on this one? Sort of, yeah. Bad guys become good guys. Good guys become bad guys, and it's it's all it's all because of politics and and reasons. Yes. Uh, well, the the bad guys are still very much bad guys. They just have political right on their side. Like, no, we're the monarchs here now. We have control. Sure, we're brutal and evil, but in general, the populace likes us. But they're still at re- resistance, trying to fight back. So they end up trying to help the resistance. But while they're helping the resistance take out all the lieutenants and everything of the the superpowered lieutenants, well, that's going on. The main guy is busy making political deals with every country that connects to his borders. Basically saying, look, you guys are weak. You've been in a civil war. You've been in a war for years. Come under my jurisdiction. I've already ended all the wars here. I could end the wars there, offer you uh, peace, offer you success, offer you prosperity, and all you got to do is recognize me as your leader. It works here. I even may have got the Justice League kicked out of here. So, hey, come on, you know I'm serious. And so what ends up happening is, even as they take out a few lieutenants, they, they're working with resistance. As they go and raid the big guy's palace, he's like, you guys aren't winning. This is just a skirmish. While you are helping these little pissant insurgents, I've already done all this. I'm now the leader of a coalition of nations, you idiots. You still lose. Wah, wah. Yep. While it's going on, there is some great action. There's some great dialogue. There's some great seeing, you know, what's makes the Just League of America different than just the Justice League, other than good writing and better art. Um, and so it's a lot of fun to read because you never feel like when you read Justice League, it's like, okay, why don't Wonder Woman and Superman just like lift up the planet or something? Because they can. You know, you never feel there's any real danger there unless they're fighting like, oh, no, the anti-life equation is destroying the universe. Well, hmm, I'm going to have to get hurt in this one, maybe. Maybe Superman will have to need, need a new set of tights, you know. But so this is a little closer. And it's actually a nice moment when they're trying to get the, convince the insurgents to try to help them out. And, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, you're fighting some of the supers. You need supers to do that. But look, you know, we're inside. We're not hiding behind masks. You can see who we are. And you realize that everyone on the team, you know, has their face uncovered, except Batman. And when you know, they point at him and said, well, what about him? You know, Black Heron just kind of jokes, well, that is his face. You know, little yeah. Batman joke. Right, right. Because um, actually Batman is the character who comes off the least well in this series. Everyone else kind of has a little, little lightness to them, even Black Canary. Um Batman's always, like, super serious in this series. Way more than he is in Justice League. Even more than he is in, like, Batman, he is super serious the whole time. Which is okay. It's okay. He's Batman. 
I'd rather that than he's, you know, sliding down the bat pole and saying, good Gotham, you know. Yeah, okay. Or, you know, calling the Adam Chum or something. They they didn't go great with him, but they could have been so much worse. Yes. But uh, we're three issues in. I've enjoyed every issue. There are all things I could point out saying, well, why is that? Why is that? That's any comic book. It's an interesting situation they've put them in where they're winning but losing. And I like that twist. I don't want it to go on too long because the underdog can only lose so long until you, they just suck. You you lose a few times, you're an underdog. You lose all the time, you're just pathetic. So they need a win pretty soon. But the next two issues, they need a win, a big one. So hopefully that happens. But I'm enjoying the series. Uh, the art is pretty solid. At times, they don't do the greatest job transitioning between ideas or between scenes. It's just a little too stark. Uh, I think there was one splash page that was a little hard to follow. But in general, well set up, really good. Uh, not the best comic out there, but definitely a fun one, especially if you like a kind of a... If you like team-based superhero comics, but you also kind of like the underdogs, then this is kind of for you, I would think. It has Lobo. If you like Lobo, you know if you like Lobo or not. And he gets to be Lobo in this book. So that's good. So uh, I'll give this issue a 3 out of 5. I liked it. Better than average. Not great, but I liked it. And that is Just Leaf America number 3. Cool. Next, on to Infamous Iron Man number 6. Infamous Iron Man, I'm not ashamed to say, has been one of my favorite series since issue 1. A little highbrow in a lot of ways. Mainly because it deals with the idea that uh, Doctor Doom, Victor Von Doom, isn't a villain, necessarily. He's an antagonist. He, In his own story, in his own mind, he's the hero. Not a giant parade, knight in shining armor hero, but a I-will-do-what-it-takes-to-defend-my-country-to-defend-my-people-and-my-beliefs type of hero. The kind of hero who wonders, why the hell does Reed Richards get all the press when he's just sucking off my ideas? Kind of hero. Why does Fantastic Four get respect when it takes four of them to do what one of me can do? Victor Von Frickin' Doom, yo. Um, but written by Brian Michael Bendis, um, art by Alex Maleev. The art still keeps up that great kind of dark style. You can see it on the cover here if you can see the live stream. Uh, I've been really enjoying how it works for this book because this is not... With Spider-Man, I expect brightness and, and Superman, light, hope. With infamous Iron Man, this is Doctor Doom, who's still kind of fighting from a place of darkness. I expect a little grittier, a little darker, muted tones, and that's what's delivered here. Does a great job setting scenes. Uh, does a great job using shadow and color. Um, also, Brian Michael Bendis is doing some of his best writing he's done in a while, with just little nuances and scenes how characters are interacting, uh, with the, the very realistic responses of some people who still still do not believe Dr. Doom could be anything but evil incarnate. With people who just, you know, their lives have kind of gone to hell since Dr. Doom was just trying to incur, you know, ask how they're doing. And, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. starts making their life miserable. And Dr. Doom says, doesn't prove my point. These guys are the problem. I did nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong. And they're making your life hell. Doesn't that prove my point? Which is nice. Um... There's a great moment in this. Doctor Doom has been going through 
to old contacts he used to work with, uh, old villains. And to show that he's now, you know, on the side of the good guys, he's been taking them out and delivering them to S.H.I.E.L.D. And this issue has a great scene where the wizard, uh, Frightful Four fame, is talking to MODOK um, through uh, video chat. And so, like, MODOK, we got to look out. Victor's gone crazy. He's rounding up all of his old allies. We are on the list. We need to be careful. We need to get, break the Mad Thinker out of prison and come up with a plan to deal with him immediately. And Modok's like, I don't really think that's what's happening. I think you're overreacting. It's like, no, I'm serious. He took out this guy. He took out this guy. He was the one who put Thinker in prison. We need to stop Victor right now. And then I see this weird look on Modok's face. He's like, you still don't believe me? Modok's like, no, I, I, I believe you. He's behind you right now. I think I'm going to go. And then they call him. <laughs> he looks behind him. And it actually, it's a really neat fight between the wizard and Doctor and Infamous Iron Man. Mainly because I think that Modok is one of those... Well, I like Modok, but the wizard has always been an interesting character to me. He has uh, scientific skills, so good it looks like magic. He's a 1960s Kirby uh, villain, Kirby Lee villain. His main thing was uh, his anti-gravity discs. Every once in a while he pulls out some weird other idea or other gimmick he could do. And so it was a nice not one-sided fight. And they're like pitting their technology against each other. Wait, uh, does does uh, Doom still have some uh, some magical abilities? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, good. Doom, Doom is really running off of science and magic at the same time now, making no apologies and making no two two sides about it. He's not even pretending it's all science. He's like, I'll use some magic with my science. I don't care. My science is so good, it is magic. And during the fight, like, the wizard, you know, is, like, fighting Doom. He's like, oh, I see you've improved your anti-graph technology. And then he's like, shoot some beams. Like, that that won't be enough for me. You know that. It's like, I know, it's just distracting you. A couple anti-grav discs hook onto his boots and, like, zip Dr. Doom up into the atmosphere. And Doom, and you see Doom, like, staring and trying to, like, do something. He's like, oh, the wizard actually made his technology immune to basic sorcery. I'm going to have to ask him how he did that. So the wizard actually gets away, which is I thought was pretty amazing. I was kind of happy to see because I always kind of liked the wizard. I was kind of rooted for him, even though he's a bad guy, just because you know he was smart. You know, I, I always liked the smart villains. Um, and he's always really wacky. You know, the wizard's just a little wacky. You're a genius who could make anti-grav discs, and you hang out with Paste Pot Pete. You know. <laughs> You you could do better, you know. You you know, great at technology, not great on on making friendships or supervillain schemes. But he's trying. You, you you know what I'd like to see in this book? Go for it. I w- I would love to see a coalition of bad guys going against Doctor Doom and have it be have it be uh, on TV where Doctor Doom is fighting like five or six bad guys who are just tired of him tracking them down one by one. And then the people start to believe that he's a good guy now. And every hero who does it is like, what? But what? I'd like to see something like that, too. That would be hilarious. I I really hope that uh, during the Make Mine Marvel event and stuff coming out, that that ends up happening. I'm worried that this is going to be like a short series and it goes back to Doctor Doom has a scarred face and is evil. I'm really worried this is going to happen because I've really been enjoying this angle of what's been going on. But uh, he ends up having to to get out of the trap that, that the uh, wizard put him in. He's had to eject his boots. So it just takes his boots away into the toward to the moon, essentially. Um, 
That's, of course, where his jet boosters are, so his issues that uses uh, repulsors to stop himself from falling. And, of course, as soon as he does that, S.H.I.E.L.D. jumps him, uh, which is another great Doctor Doom moment, because you know, he's basically crashed. He's waiting for his armor to repower. Sharon Carter and S.H.I.E.L.D. jumps him, and Doom's like, I have an understanding with Maria Hill. Just leave me alone, little girl. And Sharon Carter's like, yeah, Maria Hill's out. He's like, oh, yeah, I know, but we all know she's not really out. We know she's coming back. She goes, no, she's not. He's like, just complain to your boyfriend about this, Carter. Look, you can try to take me in, and then you know that it won't work out well. And then a few months from now, I'll be talking to a replacement in this exact same conversation. Or you could just smarten up and let me go. She's like, I have no idea what you mean by that. He's like, well, you just proved my point. Thanks for letting me stall long enough for armory power. And he takes off and leaves. And, of course, she can't track him down. It's like, crap. And, of course, she gets in trouble for not catching Doom when she had him cold. So... Like Doom said, in three months. A replacement, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we know that Maria Hill is going to come back as director of S.H.I.E.L.D. because Captain America is currently under the mind control of the Red Skull, essentially. Mm-hmm. So the secret of invasion or secret wars or secret empire, secret empire event is coming up this summer. And at the end of that, Captain America won't be a Nazi anymore. That's already been leaked. And well, so... Good. Well, thank God, finally. Yeah. But the... So, hopefully Doom is still in this kind of situation. Uh, also, it was revealed who the mysterious man that Doom's now young again mother, I guess she returned from hell or something, um, has been with, and it turns out to be the Maker. That's right, the evil Reed Richards for the Ultimate Universe. So, Doom's mom, who's back from the dead, is making it with his arch nemesis, but an evil version of his arch nemesis. <laughs> Wow, when he finds that out, it's going to be some fun times at home. Yeah, that's good. You know, he's already kind of upset about his mom being dead and coming back in the first place. He's trying to deal with that. And then with, you know, find out she's, you know, apparently pretty uncomfortably close with an evil version of your arch nemesis. Or if you're Doom, an even more yeah, they, evil version of your go, arch nemesis. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they can go full sitcom on this and have, have Doom walk in on him. I hope they don't, <laughs> but they could. <laughs> um, but it, it looks like see that panel. It'll, but, just, it'll just be Doom's face in shock and horror. Are you my new daddy? But uh, it looks like from the way it's set up right now, Maker does not want Doom to know he's even there, and he's trying to. It looks like he's being evil and genius and trying to subtly manipulate uh, Doom's mother and Doom into what he wants to happen. So hopefully there's comeuppance when that happens because Doom should be ahead of that because he's Doom. But I really like this issue. Uh, at the end, it does tease him uh, that Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart, a.k.a. the new Iron Man, is uh, hearing news reports that Doom is in like her local area, so she takes off to get him. So they're kind of teasing that fight coming up. I'm not really interested in it, but it could be kind of neat to read. We'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, really like the book. Um, anytime you pull out the wizard, I'm going to give you a half star just because you brought in the wizard. And MODOK. Come on, it's MODOK. MODOK is just funny because he's MODOK. When he's written well, he's funny. Um, so um, I'm going to give this four out of five. Not the greatest of great books, but it was great to read. Uh, this series has been great. It shows that when Brian Michael Bendis actually gives a poop about writing a book, it's good. Um, and when he loses interest, it's bad. But right now, obviously, this has not lost its interest yet. 
Uh, the art works so well with the book. It has that strange style to it, kind of showing Doom's odd dual nature in being both hero and villain, uh, magic and technology, um, ruler and ruled, one could say. So yeah, give it up. Good book. Infamous Iron Man number six, four to five. And our last comic this time is X-Men Prime number one. Woohoo! X-Men Prime number one. Now, what's, uh, what's this book about? It's about the X-Men, but Prime. That's cute. That's, that's <laughs> cute. Angel, uh, has, Angel has laser wings or fire wings? I've or? given up on Angel a long time ago. Wait, For, Jubilee? Yeah, Jubilee. Jubilee's actually oh, an adult God. now, has a, has a kid. Oh, my God. It's a baby, but... She was a weak character from Jump. She was supposed to be, though. No, no, I don't mean weak as in power-wise. I mean weak as in concept. She was supposed to be. She w- right. Jubilee's original incarnation was to show a young, fresh... Uh, Jubilee, right. Jubilee's purpose originally in the comics was the exact same purpose that Kitty Pride originally had, which was to bring a fresh set of eyes to a long-time team. Uh, so basically you could get an insider's, uh, uh, sorry, a newbie's view of what's going on with that team. Uh, and she did well then. I mean, she was basically, much like Kitty Pride was basically Wolverine's sidekick, Jubilee became Wolverine's sidekick. Um, well, th- un, 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 until until Kitty started stupping the Russian. Time for Jubilee or Kitty Pride? Kitty Pride. Yeah. Well, I think her sidekickery ended a little before that. But yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, a lot of messed up stuff has gone on in the X-Men books. I don't mean messed up as in, oh, so horrible, that, you know, does such tragedy. I mean, messed up as in, what the hell are you people thinking? This is really boring. People have basically beaten into the ground the idea that the X-Men are the outsiders and don't understand them and trying to rework the same idea that worked so well in the 1960s of kind of using the X-Men in a way to show difficulties with race relations in the country. It worked really well then, and it kind of worked in the 70s. The 80s kind of gave up on that idea and just started trying to tell superhero stories. And then recently, they tried to bring the it back to like the 60s origins, and it just really didn't work as a book. Things are really weird. Uh, the X-Men was destroyed. They moved to California... All sorts of weird, stupid crap was going on. Um, Angel had wings, then he had metal wings, then he had no wings, then he had angel wings, and then he had metal wings, then he had angel wings, now he has laser wings. It, uh, it's all sorts of stupid crap. Um, Beast ended up going back in time to bring back the, the original X-Men when they were kids into the present to try and get the present-day X-Men to get along, and it didn't work, and he couldn't send them back to the past. Um, oh my god. So that means that the current X-Men are gonna disappear, I guess? No. Why no, would of they? Course. Of course not, because of reasons. Okay. No, I mean, you have a very limited idea of time travel if you think that just because you're pulled out of the past, it causes all futures not to exist. Well, no, there's there's always a chance you can it, – it's it's until the uh, – you can't. You literally cannot send these kids back. They they cannot go back into the timeline 
then they'll disappear. But nope. as long as there's a chance... Actually, no, because under infinite universe theory, and with a certain time travel theory, you're already happening. You can't unhappen. So therefore, if you take go to the past, pull them out, and bring them to the, bring them to the present, that past still happened. Okay. You know, it's... Because if you look at... Well, I'm not going to start talking about quantum theory. But essentially... Quantum magic. Any time travel story... According to... Basically by a lot of modern quantum ideas or quantum theory, time travel is not linear. So if you do something in 19... If you went back and killed Hitler, it would not mean Hitler was not around. There, That would cause other future branches to branch off where there was no Hitler. But your future would still have had Hitler in it. Or your past would still have had Hitler. You feel me? Okay. You yeah, me? yeah, I got you, I got you. Yeah. I got you. So basically, it created branching paths where the X-Men left, but this path still had them. So it's okay. It's just kind of uncomfortable when you go to parties and, you know, there's a nameplate for two of the names next to each other. And you meet your future self and find out he's a dick, in the case of Cyclops. Right, right. <laughs> you killed who? Oh my god! Yeah, you're I, a friggin' monster. Yeah, pretty much. You know, if you're Beast, you say, "Hey, I'm still pretty cool, but I'm blue." If you're Iceman, you find out, you know, that you still haven't admitted you're gay. And true story. And you know, if you're Angel, you find out your life just starts really sucking all sorts of hard. Just, just terrible. Anyway, so what the book is actually about is. About the X-Men. Uh, Come on. <laughs> the X-Men right? Prime is, uh, from what I understand, it's a one-issue launching point. Uh, they're going to have an X-Men, I think, gold and blue that are happening after this. And those are going to be the Prime series. So they're going back to two X-Men series. One of them is going to follow one team of X-Men, the other team of X-Men. This sets up... The X-Men are having pretty fractured. They're, they're finally kind of getting back on their feet... Storm is going to Kitty Pryde saying, look, I've done a lot of bad things. I want you to come and see what we do with the X-Men. I want to invite you back. The X-Men, she's like, I don't know. Uh, she goes back to the, goes to the X-Mansion, which is currently located in Limbo, because no one can reach them there. No one can blow up their mansion when it's in Limbo. And Magic, uh, you know, controls the dimension of Limbo, so it's safe. Sure. And ma Magic is... Uh... Uh, uh, um, Colossus's, Colossus's little sister. Younger, yeah, little sister. Right. So, uh, while there, it's kind of like if she gets reacquainted with what's going on in the mansion now, what's happened with the X-Men, she sees the new students, and Stormbase says, look, I, you've probably figured out why I brought you here by now. It's not just because I'm inviting you back. I want you to take my place, take over the X-Men, become the leader. I'm going to retire. I've made too many bad decisions. I'm damaged goods. I just can't be here. By the end of the issue, Kitty Pryde says, you know, I'll take over, but she finally says, okay, I'll come and lead the X-Men, but I need you to stay Storm. And we're going to move, and they end up moving the mansion out of Limbo. The idea is like, look, we can't be hiding from everyone. We got to show our faces. We got to show we're good people. And this is also happening at the end of a series, miniseries hasn't ended yet, of X-Men versus Inhumans, which is just kind of crazy. Because during the X-Men vs. Inhumans War, Storm's basically saying, like, look, I started the war with the Inhumans. I caused all these problems. That's why I shouldn't be here. He says, you did what you had to do. And so they end up putting... This part bothered me. 
at the end it shows like they brought the X mansion into Central Park. Like, all right, where do you get the permits for that? Because wow. you, you can't put a mansion in Central Park. Right. But whatever, whatever. Wait, it all, it all depends. Who blew up the mansion? Uh, the government, I guess. I don't remember. Well, then, Which guess time? what government? <laughs> the, the very last time. I don't remember. Who was the government? So guess what, government? <laughs> this is this is your recompense. Yeah. So basically, they're coming back. Um, they're basically trying to kind of reset it to like the Claremont Burn era, when the X Men were good, and like getting rid of the soap opera crap that was in there, and this kind of weighed down the comics for so long. Um, and I'm for that. This was a neat issue to read as a stepping off point. As a way of saying, hey, we're going to normalize the comic. All the stuff that happened, we're sorry. Some of it was good, some of it was bad. But let's get back to what made the comic good. Not get back to the basics of the gritty and racism and people not getting along. All right. Let's get back to the Claremont era when we were past that. Well, past that, I mean, you know, stories had been told. Not necessarily everything's perfect in the world. But we're past that. We can tell good stories about superheroes who maybe the general populace is a little weirded out by. All right. All right. Um, so there's a, so the X-Books are basically getting relaunched after the X-Men vs. Humans. This is the first book showing them setting up the teams. Uh, there's going to be a, an X-Force team who's like the, the gritty assassin mutants. Yeah. So if you're into that. It has Lady Deathstrike on it, which is kind of bothers me because she's like evil. Yeah, a little bit. I, I know they've been trying; they're trying to repaint her as like tragic hero, but uh, no, she's she, evil. She's she's nutters. Yeah. yeah, she's evil, and she doesn't look like ugly and stuff anymore. Now she's like you know hot Asian lady. So, you know, that's how you can tell she's good now. They're drawing her like she's hot, but not too hot, because if you're too hot, you're also evil, like the White Queen. Right, right. There you go. Nail on uh, that. Nail that. So there's like a level of you know hotness, but not too but not too hot where you're a hero. Like Storm's riding the edge. She's always riding the edge, you know. Same with Jean Grey. They're on that it could be a villain edge. Jean Grey crossed it a couple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Jean Grey became a villain. Like yep. how many times? I don't know. Yeah. Lots. Yeah, lots. So so she she was on the wrong side of that line of of, of hotness and and. That's right. She crossed crazy. it too many times. Yep, too many. But the uh, but they're gonna have. An X-Men team of, like, the original X-Men, the younger versions. An X-Men team of uh, the gold team and then the blue team, each is going to be looking at kind of different teams and how they handle things. Kind of like what they did in the uh, the Lee era. But they're promising, like I said, going back to, like, the 80s style X-Men, which everyone loved. But what's also interesting with this is that after the events of X-Men vs. Inhumans and Secret Empire, they're going into something they're calling Make Mine Marvel. They're bringing back a lot of the old heroes who they've either completely screwed over, killed, or removed. So, like, I, I know I didn't mention this last week, but Captain America is going to be back as Captain America and not my past is now I love Hydra and Nazis. Um... Iron Man's going to be back as Iron Man. The original Thor is going to be back as Thor. I don't know if they're knocking Spider-Man back down to your good old friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I hadn't seen that. But they are starting a Scarlet Spider book, which looks like it'll be in that position. 
So jury's out on that one. They're not brushing all of the new heroes to, away. Like Miles Morales will still be around. Um, female Thor will still be around. From what I've seen. Uh, I don't know how that'll all work. Probably work out pretty well. But, but what, what what hammer is, is Odin's son going to get to become Thor again? Maybe or is he they... just going to declare himself Thor? Uh, well, um, from what's been going on in the Unworthy Thor comic, he's been after... A, the a... ultimate Thor hammer. Yeah, the ultimate Thor hammer. Yeah, and he, he grabbed it, and he uh, it, it, they didn't say it, but they hinted that he could have picked it up, but he decided, no, nah, he didn't need it. Yeah, so he might be getting that. Okay. So we'll see what happens with that. Like I said, they, right now they're kind of sketchy on details because it's all just, oh, this is coming, true believers. you know. Um, and recently there was a big spat where uh, one of the VPs of Marvel was in a, had, a, had an interview. Well, it wasn't a real like sit-down interview. He was like being asked questions on a convention floor, essentially. And what he said, what, oh, I should have pulled up the quote. What he said is people were tired of diversity. And that all of Marvel's new books pushing their uh, their diversity agenda with, like, it's your favorite hero, but female, or brown-skinned, or now, you know, a lesbian, you know, all that stuff. And those books don't sell worth a crap. And like, okay, that isn't working, and because it's not working, we're bringing back characters everyone actually liked and bought their books. Um, and, of course, there's a lot of reaction to that. And he had to release a new statement saying, no, that I, I, we didn't mean that we're not committed to diversity or blah, blah, blah. We, these heroes will stand by the old heroes and blah, blah, blah. So basically like a little little cover your ass real yeah, quick you know, after that. A little bit of backpedal there. Yeah, it's like, no, so what I said wasn't what I meant. What I meant was this. It's like, no, I, what you said initially is what you meant, but not in the nicest terms. Right, right. Because the way the article reads, like, the guy is saying it, like, really sarcastic. Like, he, like, people are so dumb. Why don't they love our new characters? Well... People actually do like a lot of these new characters. People actually really like Miles Morales Spider-Man. But then again, the character was introduced alongside Spider-Man, went through a lot of trials and tribulations, went through some troubles, and people grew to love him as a character. All these other ones you just shoehorned in. Right. You just said, guess yeah. who's Wolverine? Well, X-23 is still kind of liked because she was brought in not as Wolverine. And people saw her character grow for years. And now she says she's Wolverine. People are like, all right, cool. Wolverine's gone. You can be Wolverine. Yeah. But characters like um, America, uh, America Chavez, who this kind of – they totally changed her character, her personality, and people were rejecting the book and not buying it. Uh, characters like Them Thor, people like, who the hell are you? And they kind of reject her book, even though it's really well written. Um, other books, like I said, America's written badly – uh, the change they did to Spider-Woman, she's written badly. Uh, Silk was a character that's kind of threw out there. And was good. Was g- the first four or five, like I'll say four issues, and when she was in Edge of Spider-Verse and Spider-Man were written well. After that, the writer changed, and it turned to crap. No, the, ri- the writer changed. Anyway, the art changed, the writing changed, it turned to crap, people stopped buying it, as they should have because it was no longer a good book. Um... And that's the problem. You can't just throw out these characters and say, yay, diversity is good. You have to tell compelling stories that are interesting. And if you're not doing that, they aren't going to buy your comic. And so it's not a matter of diversity. It's a matter of, is this book good? And, you know. And so I don't think they're actually looking at the right thing. But in general, people are also tired of seeing the characters they love 
and they have loved for, in some cases, 50 years, was how old some comic collectors are. But even people like loved them since the 90s or 2000, or they loved the Joss Whedon run, Astonishing X-Men. You're telling these people the characters you love are no longer valid. And this new character is who you need to like now. And people are going to automatically tell you no. There's going to be an instant backlash, whether or not it's well-written. It's just it, a knee-jerk reaction. I get it. Yeah, like the Sam Wilson Falcon book was kind of a knee Initial reaction was, why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense. You can't suck youth, the youth out of Captain America. Suck the super soldier serum out and he turned young. There's been other books in the past where he's lost the super soldier serum and it never made him instantly old. This is stupid. But they did that and they made Sam Wilson Captain America. They had an okay transition. And after that transition, the book actually was pretty good. And then they went through like a new issue one and completely ignored the transition and turned it into a one-sided argument about how America is a hateful country and people stopped buying the book. Not because they didn't have, care about diversity or anything like that. It's because they, it was badly written. Uh, it's like the New 52 in DC. People stopped buying Superman because it became badly written. Not necessarily because they didn't like Superman anymore. People love Superman. He's Superman. But it became badly written. So you lost a lot of fans. Whereas Batman, the, the Batman comic uh, with Gary Capullo, started being written incredibly well. And it gained a huge amount of followers. So it really comes down to, is the book any good? That's what it comes down to. And when you're just looking to push an agenda and not write a good book, people aren't going to buy it. And you can read into that right. whatever you want. I read into it that I don't want to spend money on something that's crap. Exactly. That's what you should read. And honestly, it looks like that's what the uh, the people who own Marvel now are looking at, saying, hey, these books aren't making any money. Stop that crap and write books people want to read. So, I mean, they're bringing back the old heroes. We'll see if they're written well. That'll be the final determiner. And judging by some of the creative teams they're already hinting at, it sounds like it's going to be pretty good. So, excited by the idea. Comic stores are excited by the idea from the guys I've talked to. But that okay, all well, leads back... Give this, give this book a rating. Give this book a rating. I was tying it in. I was tying it up right there, putting a bow on it. But that all ties up to show that like the, one of the first trickles in this is X-Men Prime saying, hey, taking it back to what, what makes the X-Men the X-Men, that they're a family. They have their issues, but they work together. They push through. They've just come out of some very hard times. But they're still family. They set it up. Kitty Pryde is not going to be in charge of the X-Men. Uh, Which I think is just real. It I mean, is. I, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the first time I read her, I was, I was a kid. She was a kid and bumbling idiot for the, for the first couple years, which understandable. I mean, yeah. I get it. But uh, now I, I, I walked away from X-Men for a long time, and now hearing that Kitty Pride is going gonna, is gonna to be the, the new Professor X, basically. Well, she's been through a lot of changes. She was in charge of the Guardians of the Galaxy for a while. She was she was Star Lord for a while. Wow. Yeah, that that's another tangent we don't need to talk about. Um, okay. what they've done to Star Lord over the years is just we don't need to talk about that. That's that's a good thirty minutes at least. 
But um, I liked this issue as a setup. If it was like in the middle of a, a series, you're like, eh, whatever. But it's a nice setup, a nice, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is where everyone's going. This is introducing you to these characters you might not know. I liked that. The art was great, actually. I mean, thumbs up. Great work. Um, clear to clear to understand. Great transitions between scenes. Um, things were bright and fun to read. Uh, some of the character models need, could have been a little more on point, in my opinion. But still, really great. Great work. Uh, only got a four and a half out of five. Really liked it because it did what it was supposed to do. It showed me what was going on. It showed me how things were changing, and it made me excited to read what was coming up. So it did what it wanted to do. Did a great job. Four to five. Four and a half out of five for X-Men Prime, number one. Outstanding. Out freaking standing. That was long. It was, but it was it was okay. I mean, we uh, this this it wasn't about this book. It was about the future, the 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 potential that this book brings, and of course that's going to make it go long. Well, I like to bring a holistic approach to the book to these books like if there's more going on that can affect why I'm rating it I want to let you know no rating ever happens in a vacuum understood unless I'm actually like currently like floating in space at the time then it would happen in a vacuum then it would yeah. yes sure but we but wouldn't hear it unlikely to happen as well yes but not impossible so let's okay. take this to the RNG, the random number right. generator. We talk about anything random, rolling around the brain stems, what happened this week. It is April 1st, but we're not doing any April 1st gags because, frankly, those annoy no. me usually. Yep. We did discuss the idea of like starting out with some like funny little mix-em-up, like an all My Little Pony episode joke or something. But we're not doing that because it's really just kind of annoying, and it would insult your intelligence, and we do not do that here. So. But the first RNG, RNG topic I got is uh, I told you earlier that uh, the second season of Attack on Titan dropped today. The first episode dropped today. Yes, I actually saw it. Believe it or not, I saw an ad for that in the movie theater. looked pretty cool. Wow. Really? Cool. Yeah, giant screen, big hairy Titan. Yes. And uh, I watched it. And they really jammed a lot of new stuff into this. I mean – uh, at the end of the last season, I'm not spoiling anything. It's been a while. At the end of the last season, uh, you find out that that Aaron is not the only uh, human that can turn into a Titan. Yes. Yes. Uh, that was uh, an interesting and exciting revelation. Yes, a, a, a girl, a, a girl in his in his, uh, in his former class uh, can do the same thing, and who she, apparently some sort of planter spy from somewhere. Yes. Else. Yes. Some sort of spy for for uh, other human form Titans out there. And she is somehow uh, connected to the giant titan and the armored titan that, that are trying to break the walls. Why? We don't know. Well, we, we go to season two, and she's still in her little impenetrable cocoon. But they, they answer a couple of questions, and then they, they bring out information that poses like 20 more. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was way too much for one episode, way too much. It's actually kind of cool. Like, it kind of excites me hearing that. I had so many double takes, like, what, what, what? I mean, it, 
like why did you shoehorn all this stuff into this one episode you could have you could have taken if you want to get it out there you're taking three episodes i'm getting tired space it out kids come on my jaw i mean my jaw's hurting from all the what that's going on here i mean it is jam-packed with with revelations and uh and um and amazing reveals and situations and and uh, and just weird weird junk. You're like, where did that come from? Oh my god, you got to explain that. Where did that come from? Oh my god, you got to explain that. I'm mentally exhausted thinking about it. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it's it's on it's on Netflix right now. No, it's not. I'm sorry. It's it's on Hulu right now. It will yes, be it on is. Netflix in like six months probably. But uh, it's on it's on Hulu right now. So if you don't have Hulu, I'm sorry. Get it, I guess. But uh, um, uh, go ahead and watch it, and uh, you, it is it is action packed. It is filled with actions, filled like I said, revelation upon revelation, upon revelation. So many questions posed in the in the first episode. These questions alone will take a whole season to properly resolve. And they probably won't actually properly resolve them. Oh, maybe some of them. You have to resolve some of them, or people are going to die. Well, some yeah, going to resolve some of them, but there's always going to yeah. be more mysteries. Yeah, uh, one of one of these revelations is real heavy duty. Like like Lucy's got some splaining to do, like fast, because this is bonkers. Not, I'm not going to spoil it. It just came out today, so I'm not going to spoil it. But but one one of these, actually two of these revelations are just friggin' bonkers. Like I, I want to know now. No, no, it's got to be a proper storyline. No, screw your proper storyline. Tell me now. This is too crazy to let sit in the air for a whole season. Stuff like that happened in the first episode. Dang, that sounds pretty good. It was nutters. That does sound nutters, but it sounds exciting. I'm glad it's uh, able to still keep the interest. I was kind of worried that after a season, you know, how long it's been since the last season came out, that uh, the kind of like the bloom would be off the rose. No, I mean uh, the the only the only problem I had was uh, was that yes, they they shoehorned too much information into this episode that's my only problem it, it became it became exhausting to watch because there was so much to so much to process so so quickly but the uh the animation is is exactly the same um the uh the uh character personalities haven't changed so 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 that's the writing good. staff hasn't hasn't changed too much so that's good too because that that's what I really hate. Like uh, if, if there's a if there's be, be, between seasons, you get a, a lead writer change, and suddenly yeah. every, everyone sounds different. Well, also you there's know? sometimes there's series that like they'll have a two two season series, and like oh people like it, we'll make two more seasons, and then they come back like all the characters' personalities are totally different. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa right, whoa, whoa. right. That does not happen. That does not happen. So th- I'm glad about that. So the the animation didn't didn't suffer. The characters didn't suffer. Um, the the story again too much for one episode too too, too much story for too little time. <laughs> I mean, I've never said those words before in my life. Nice. Too much story, too little time. That's my only gripe with it. And most so that that can be good, but it can be bad. I mean, trying to jam too much in there. Yes. Yeah, they could probably right, should have saved right. some. Yeah. Exactly. Could have saved some for episode two or episode three, and no one would have would have said anything bad about it. Uh, but well, they, they went the other way. Yeah, they went the other way. That's fine. That's, That's fine. fine. Now you have to talk about. Oh what yes. You saw today or yesterday. I actually went and saw the new live-action Ghost in the Shell movie. As we teased earlier, the official Legion of Review is now on board. 
Uh, starring Scarlett Johansson. up, people. <laughs> starring Scarlett Johansson and some other people whose names you might recognize or not. Uh, Ghost of the Shell was originally released as a, I'm going to say this wrong, manga uh, in Japan. Uh, written by Masamune Shiro. Not his real name, but it's his ride name he's been using forever. Uh, who was famous from such previous series as uh, Appleseed, uh, Orion, Tank Police, Dominion. Uh, all sorts of highly, highly influential. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I loved Appleseed. I did. Me too. Uh, b- both the manga and the anime were good. The anime was different than the manga, but that's okay. Not completely different. But there was actually an Appleseed live action released in Japan. Anyway, this series, again, uh, is based off the manga and the anime, uh, the cartoon, which came out of Four Ghosts in the Shell. In those series, the main protagonist is uh, uh, Motoko Kusanagi, uh, a major in the special Section 9 Special Forces Unit, uh, pers- uh, mainly tasked with anti-terrorism and in defending uh, diplomatic liaisons, things like that. Killing bad guys. It's a... It's a Sounds great. Cyberpunk, futuristic world. Uh, Major Kusanagi and Bateau are both full conversion cyborgs. The only human piece left of them is their brain and a bit of their spinal column. Everything else is full robot. So they're super strong, super fast, but they keep all the intuition and intellect of their humans, human brains. The series was concerning uh, going after a terrorist known as the Puppet Master who was hacking the ghosts or souls, uh, the minds of people, and making them do things. So, of course, being a terrorist, they were after him, and it turned out that Puppet Master was actually a highly intelligent AI who had developed sentience um, as a military AI, and it wanted to be free. It didn't want to be a military AI. It, it was enslaved by its opinion. And it was able to find these opinions. Um, there's some cool action scenes. Stuff goes on. Uh, cool robots of Fujikama's going around. And there's all these plays uh, throughout the manga of what a robot is, what a human is, what freedom of will is, uh, the nature of freedom in politics, the nature of freedom of choice, the nature of what it is to be human. Um, in the anime, they kind of go gloss over a lot of this stuff, but they keep the core tenets there of the Puff Master wanting to be free as a developed AI. And in the end, Kusanagi and the Puppet Master end up kind of coming to terms in that they were both looking for something more from this existence. And the Puppet Master kind of fuses its own intelligence with Kusanagi, creating an almost hybrid being, uh, a higher level of consciousness. She's still human, but now with a new level of understanding. Um, so, And then after that, she's been burned by Section 9. She's still alive and such, but she is basically out of the organization. And so she's left at the end of the, the, the original series to find this new freedom as a new, chi- with a, as a new child in the world. Uh, so, and that happens in both the anime and the manga. So it's really an interesting idea of like what the evolution of humanity will be. Tragic and hopeful. Nice. Right. The movie, uh, this live-action film, kicks all of that immediately to the curb. 
it was written by someone who watched Blade Runner and loved how it looked but didn't understand the plot. Lo- thought that Tron Revelations was what films need to be. And also thought Robocop was pretty freaking cool, too. The remake. The yeah. remake. The remake. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, be specific on that one. Yeah. And so what you end up with is a plot about an evil corporation who took a bunch of um, echo protester, anti-technology echo protesters, and wiped their brains and forced them into billion-dollar cyborg bodies because they think that's the next evolution of human beings. And uh, the major, who's now white, um, I forget what name they give her, major something, Mira, I think. It's like an Irish name. Um, Is now working with Section 9 as their only full conversion cyborg. Everyone else just has a few cybernetic pieces in them, which, uh, and they are still with Section 9, they're still anti-terrorists, and they're trying to fight this terrorist who now has a name that isn't the Puppet Master, uh, Cure or something, and I'm going to spoil it, I don't care. It turns out that the terrorist they're fighting is actually a failed cyborg who is part of the same experiment series that... Uh, the major was part of, and so he's trying to tell her that you know, low, low, they, what they did to me, they'll do to you. And she starts questioning things, and she has flashbacks, and then she finds out that she was actually, like, she has no memory of her past, and she finds out that she actually was one of these Echo Warrior people, protesters, and she has to stop the evil corporation from doing it to anyone else. And like, apparently, the, the previous experiment who got away that was failed and became a terrorist to try and stop them and warn her or something was actually her boyfriend. Oh, and when she was an terrorist before they put in the cyborg body, she was actually a Japanese girl named Makoto Kusanagi. So, you had people Wait, complaining what? about... Yes, yeah, so you had people complaining about whitewashing in this movie anyway where he took a Japanese role, what's well, clearly a Japanese character, and have Scarlett Johansson playing it. I don't know if the writers were trying to say, oh no, look... We're, we're, this is why, because they put her, they took this girl and they put her in a body that didn't look like her. So what, they never said this in the movie, but what I'm guessing was they put her in a body that didn't look like hers, so she would wouldn't cause memories of her past when she looked in the mirror. Okay, but they never explained that in the film. What you see in the film is they had an Asian girl that is now a white girl on a cyborg. So yep, and, and everyone, everyone who gave who gave crap about Iron Fist. Needs to be needs to have their heads turned over to this movie. No, this is this is legitimate whitewashing. This is this crap. is what it looks like. This is and this is just such crap. And they took a film that was about the nature of humanity and what it is to be free and things like that, and emergent AI, and turned it into evil corporation takes peaceful protesters uh, and does experiments on them and turns them into machines. And wipes their minds because they're evil. There's no reason they gave for it. They said, this is the next wave of human evolution. How? How are you going to make money on this? What? What's the end game? What's the plan that's never revealed? And, of course, the bad guy behind it ends up getting killed at the end. Of course. Um, terrible. There are, um, the plot is completely dumbed down. It's a completely by the numbers. Everything that happens is insanely obvious from the very beginning. Everything. There is nothing surprising. There are giant plot holes. 
um, like it, there's this female scientist who like uh, who the mage goes back to get repaired when she's hurt, and she's like, oh, I've been having glitches and seeing weird things. Oh no, I mean, she's like get your memories back, but they, she thinks they're glitches, so she like tries to wipe her memories again. And, and the doctor's kind of a sympathetic character. When the when she finally figures what's going on, the doctor like helps her by giving her a key to an apartment. It's like here, here the answers are here. Okay, why would you have that with you? Why would you have this key? And why would you even have a key to her old apartment anyway? If you had a series of like 98 experiments, as she revealed earlier, there were 98 failed attempts. Are you carrying 98 keys with you in case one of them shows back up, or just hers? Why? Yeah, that, never. That is, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't track. I mean, he, no. he would he would not have access. She. To it was it was she. Okay, she would not have access to any of any of uh, right. the major belongings. Right, and as like, someone whose responsibility is just to do the cyborg stuff, why would you have access to any of this crap in the first place? It is actually detrimental for you to have access to these things. Yes, it makes no sense. Um, and so it's just freaking insane how bad this film is. The visuals are incredibly overblown. You're trying; they're trying to show like a futuristic society with like these crazy um, holographic billboards and things and every everywhere. It's overblown to the point where it doesn't make any sense. Why are these carp just going down the street? They're not advertising anything. Just someone just felt like doing that. There's no point in doing this kind of crap. Um, it's just so overblown. You have these giant uh, 3D like animated people like advertising something in places no one can see them unless they're flying over the city. Uh, and they never established that flying around the city is common. You don't. It's not like Blade Runner. We see a lot of spinners flying through the air all the time. So there's all this stupid crap that doesn't make any sense but looks really cool. Uh, whenever they're doing like a holographic video chat, like there's a holographic representation of someone talking to you, when the transmission ends, a hologram doesn't just like blink away or fizz out or something. No, it falls away block by little bit block in this really cool like pattern. Why? Why would you build it to do that? It's a waste of energy, a waste of power, a waste of processing. And like te- like three like 20 seconds after the call's over, you're still watching this thing fall apart. It seems like kind of a waste to me. I don't see why anyone would ever set... When I'm done with a phone call, I don't want... Like, on my phone, I don't want to watch the image slowly derez for the next 30 seconds. I'm done with the call. Um, so, the film makes no sense visually. It jumps from scene to scene. What it does do really well is take scenes from the anime and put them in the film. Visually, contextually, they're wrong. What's going on is completely different than what was going on in the original. It looks very similar, and it looks pretty cool. But these are moments. But I couldn't get over while watching a scene that looks cool, thinking this is not how this scene happened. Which I wish I didn't have that thought in a way, because I can kind of take it in the oh wow, this looks really cool. But the only reason it looks really cool is because I could draw for knowing what it looked like before. But it also really bothers me because I know this context is totally wrong to how it was, and how it was previously was much better. Right, right. And in fact, uh, 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 Max Liao was was saying the same thing about uh, MechWarrior Online. I mean, uh, when when you buy intellectual property, everyone expects you to make a product that is at least of the same vein as the source material. If you change it so much that people who know the source material look at this and go, this is not the same thing. 
then you went wrong. You should have not bought in that intellectual property. You should have made a different movie because it's so it's so different from the IP that you wouldn't get into any copyright problems. Exactly. And honestly, this is so different than the original IP. They should have just named it something else, named the characters something else. They already did with some of them. And no one would know what's a Ghost in the Shell film. You yeah. could have called this um, Night Runner, and no one would have known. You know, or uh, Tech War. Oh, wait. They already used that name. No, um, okay, you know, you could have called it a million other things. And no one would have known that you're based off Ghost in the Shell because it's so different. Ugh. And some of the actors give some pretty solid performances. The guy did Bato. I should look up his name, but I don't care. He did pretty good with what he had given to him. Uh, the leader of Section 9 had some good moments. Um, Scarlett Johansson delivers her lines with all the enthusiasm of a stripper on the eighth hour of a fourth hour of a four-hour shift. Nice. How, yeah. how long did you work on that one? It actually came up to me while I was in the theater. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was watching this like, she's delivering this. It just popped in. I was like, because that's actually what it is. It's like, what are they doing to me? This is wrong. You are a terrorist and you are going down. And they try and put in these scenes that show like her loss of humanity and like she's trying to reconnect with it. Like there's a really weird scene where she like hires a prostitute so she could just sit in a room and like touch her. What does this feel like? And they're trying to like create like, ooh, sexual tension. Look how close their lips are. No, it's just weird. It's like, what is this even showing? What are you trying to prove to me here? Yeah, it, it actually it actually sounds like she has Asperger's syndrome, and it's it's the sad part in a Lifetime special. Yes, it's they're trying to show something tragic and trying to be sexy at the same time, and it doesn't work. At least not to me. I just found it like really uncomfortable, um, and also a little not because it's girls or anything, but because they're what they're trying to show are two different com- competing emotions. You know, you can't show ooh hot, intimate, and also oh distant, cold, not understanding. You know, it's, you know, it, and also, like, what does this feel like? Was it in, because the delivery wasn't much better. And it's also uh, something that never, ever appears anywhere in any of the original source material at all. You know, the original source material, she was a, uh, they never say explicitly, but you get the idea that she was like special forces or a SWAT team member before she became a full conversion cyborg. And she's cool with that. They, or her and Bateau even joke about how, you know, they'll never work off the debt to the, to the company for putting them into these bodies. You know, especially with still needing repairs. But they're happy they're still alive. They're happy to be doing this. And that's when also they bring the question, like, well, how do we know we're even still in here? And the major's like, what do you mean? Like, have you ever seen your gray matter? Have you ever seen your brain? How do you know you're not just an AI downloaded into that? And she's like, I know because I know because I feel I know. You know. And, and so that kind of stuff works in the original series. And in this film, none of that subtext is there. It's evil corporation did bad thing to people. Evil corporation greedy made people into machines, being machine bad. So it lacks context. It lacks subtext. It lacks intelligence. Uh, it's a very by-the-numbers, bang-bang, shoot up film. It does a complete disservice to the Ghost in the Shell name and series and... I have a feeling it's going to bomb pretty hard because it's it's bad. But then again, maybe it'll do good just because it is Scarlett Johansson shooting things, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, and she's like fake naked throughout the entire thing. Yeah, she's very fake naked throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And it's like, uh, 
Ugh, it's a bad film. It's a bad film. The ending is so incredibly awful. I'm not even going to say what it is. But it's cheesy and awful and takes a giant dump on the original ending of the, of the series. But that's So out of a five-star review, I'm giving it a... I'll give it a one. Because it does have some neat visuals occasionally. But it's terrible. I want my money back. I will never see this again. If someone paid me to see this, it would take quite a bit. Uh, what is it, like a two-hour film? 50 bucks. I'd watch it for 50 bucks. Yep, so I'll give it a give it a point five. <laughs> I was gonna give it a one. I was gonna give it a one, but considering you'd have to, came up. you would literally have to pay me fifty dollars to watch this again. You'd have to buy my ticket, buy my snacks, and give me fifty dollars for me to sit through this without closing my eyes the whole time. And actually, while wow. watching it the first time, there were times my eyes were closed and I had to hear it, and it was bad. <laughs> nice. So it was offensive to me on every level. I shouldn't say every level. It was a bad film. Don't watch it. If you've never seen Ghost of Shell and you just really like... If you loved... If you've never seen Ghost of Shell and you loved Tron Revolutions, you will like this film. Wait, unless you like Intelligent... Well, if you love Tron Tron Revolutions, you don't love Intelligent Plots. So yeah, you'll like this film. Sorry. If you like this film, you're wrong. It's it's bad. I shouldn't say that. But it's a bad film. no. And people yeah, have different we tastes. We had the disclaimer in the beginning. Yeah, so. it's, it's a bad film. If you liked it, I'm not going to say more power to you. I want you to have less power because I don't want films like this ever made again. Right, right. If if you like this film, the, then you're not going to be Garthine's friend. No, I won't say that. I'll be friends with you. But I'm never letting you choose the movie. Yeah, I, I made one mistake. And what one is that? One mistake. But Spawn. Spawn was bad, too. The live-action Spawn. That was a bad film. It was, and I recommended it, and we went to it together because I thought it couldn't couldn't be bad. I thought it couldn't (laughs) be bad. And at the end of it, I was like, I'm so sorry, man. This was was a horrible mistake. I I, I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone, and there is a a creature on the wing of the plane, and I should have seen it coming, but I didn't. (laughs) That was a bad film. It was a bad film. The comic was amazing. I loved it. So I thought that, oh man, if it's anywhere near the comic, it was it was near the comic. It yep. just was not near in a good way. It was near the butt of the comic. They're making a new Spawn film. McFarlane's oh heavily involved, though. Oh, all right. Well, then it has has hope. Yeah, it's one of those things like, yeah, we apologize for the previous film. Um, that won't happen again. But, uh, yeah, speaking of that, also on those lines, Disney is not making a sequel to Tron Revolution like was the plan. They are rebooting Tron. What? Yeah, because uh, you know, yeah, Tron, then the sequel is Tron Revolution, and they were right. going to make a third film in the series. Right. They are not anymore. They have said, wow, that film really sucked. We are sorry. We will make a better film. We're going to make a new Tron film. We're rebooting the whole series. We're sorry about that. But the original Tron was good. The original Tron is a cult classic. It's good and bad. It was good well, for its yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and any film made like yeah, you have to say 30, 30, yeah. 30, 40 years ago is, is going to be you know good for its time because yeah. nowadays you know you're you're expecting visually something greater. But uh, um, the the ideas of it 
were really excellent. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I liked the, the whole story. Yeah. It was really good. I really liked yeah. it. And, uh, that, there, there that are definite reasons why Tron is considered like a cult classic now. Cause it's, yeah. And not in the Rocky Horrors type. In the, hey, this is actually a pretty good film. It's fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it, it had a, it had you know uh, a little bit on the nose social stuff, but uh, you know of, of the time, that's what that's what made really great movies. You know, yeah. So like like uh, like uh, for instance, uh, um, Logan's Run. I actually kind of like that film. Yeah, I, I love that movie. I loved it. I mean, it was really on the nose with with a lot of social issues, but. The, but I, I really like I really like the acting. I, I like I like the world it was set in. You know, I mean, I, I I didn't like the whole you know oh you hit thirty or whatever you got to die, so you know stuff like that. But um, I, I I really like the whole it it really reminded me of the role playing game Paranoia. That's true. Yeah, which yes. obviously you know Paranoia obviously got a lot of ideas from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, of course, yeah, it had to have been. But uh, it, you know, that I, I, I liked it, and it was, it's a, it's considered a, a good movie, and I'm happy for it because now I, I can, I'm considered liking a good, a good yes. movie. Yes, Logan is a good film. Uh, Ghost in Shell is not. No, I can see Ghost in Shell becoming the next Rocky Horror Picture Show where people make fun of it the whole time and throw things because it's really that bad. It really, the dialogue is so cheesy, so, so often. Oh, I, I wish MST3K was still around. Uh, it is. They just rebooted it. They did? Yes, they did. They just had their How first I episode. I don't know. Why when? don't you know that? Uh, I like this one. I don't know. Ugh. I could look for that. Yeah, look it up. Uh, new cast. But the original of people course. are involved. Yeah, yeah. From what I understand. Okay, good. Um, so, yeah, but I think that'll wrap it up for this week. Got a short one. Yeah, on we're, we're good. No, it's okay. An hour and a half over. We're good. All right. Well, if you have any constructive criticism or comments, please let us know. Uh, drops off. You can let us know on Facebook, Alicia Myth, on our webpage, AliciaMyth.com or .tv, on YouTube, where you're seeing this video. If you're not watching a live streaming, and why aren't you? Uh, time shifted society uh, at Legion Myth. Uh, you can let us know on Twitter at Legion Myth. We do respond to that, and uh, of course on the streams live at Twitch.tv/LegionOfMyth. You can also check out the audio of this in podcast form, which is always fun to do. You can text it on iTunes, and if you're using iTunes, go ahead and drop us a review. A five-star review always helps us out. Uh, Player FM, Stitcher, TuneIn, or download directly the LOMcast from the Alicia website. And as always, if you want to show off a little love, if we meet at a convention you're wearing a Legion of Myth shirt, I will give you a hug. Heathen Dog won't, but I will. I'm a hugger. Ah, heck, Heathen Dog will hug you, too. Max Lee, I won't. No, no, he won't. Not a hugger. Not a hugger. He's, he's not, a hugger. not a hugger. But he will not insult you while you are in front of him. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. What With an earshot in front of him. Sure enough. Fair. In the same room. Uh, but you can get our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com slash Legion of Myth. Or if you want to directly support us, go to patreon.com slash Legion of Myth. And we appreciate all of our Patreon supporters so very, very much. Do you have any final words of wisdom this episode, my friend? Well, let's see. Um, we went through a lot of a lot of a lot of bad things in the RNG. I mean, one, we did. One, yeah, we well, did. one very bad, bad thing. thing. Don't watch. Yeah, Le- one, don't watch Ghost in the Shell. No, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so I want to. I want to end on some something happy. You know, something something upbeat. I, I really, I really, I really feel like we should do that. So. Uh, 
what, what, I, what I'm going to say is that uh, the world right now seems uh, harder than it was before. It, it, seemed, it, seems, it seems worse. I, I want you to understand that, that in, in the U.S., in, 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 the, in the country we're in, uh, crime overall in the last 30 years has gone down. You know, uh, bad things have stopped happening as frequently. The only problem is that the 24-hour news cycle makes you think that bad things happen. They, they don't. They don't, man. Take a breath. It's okay. The world is getting better. We're just hearing about the bad things more. Bad things sell stories. It's true. And that's the only reason you hear about it. That's right, friends. Things are getting better every day. Every day. So remember, you have one life. Live it well, live it nerdy, and have a great darn little novel.